and suddenly a man came and put his hand on my shoulders and he started speaking in English. He says, I need you to go out of these four walls, out of this building. You have to go and preach my word. Preach the gospel. And I will go with you. And everything you ask, I will answer. Benjamin Galindo was raised with strong Christian values and served God in his own way throughout his life. The only problem was he was ignoring God's calling for his true mission. That all changed on January 6th, 2001, when God stepped in and got his attention. Welcome to A Stronger Faith, a podcast that pulls you into the experiences that changed people's faith. One of the things I love about this podcast is that the stories and conversations shared in our episodes are all generated through the suggestions of our listeners and guests. It's just another thing that makes it all really special. Everyone has the ability to participate in evangelization in some way. If you have an idea for a possible guest, please visit our website at astrongerfaith.com and click the button that says, Recommend a Guest. It's really easy, and I think it'll make you smile a little on the inside if you hear an episode that you suggest a few weeks later. Today's conversation, suggested by a listener, on how one man was shaped for God's mission is filled with miracles and healings you'll just need to hear to fully appreciate. Please meet Pastor Benjamin Galindo. Today, Pastor Benjamin Galindo is here. Your son, I hope you know this, came onto our website and said, my father, who is also my pastor, has an amazing story that you won't believe. You need to reach out to him. And so I did. And so we've been talking back and forth via text message and email, and you are so positioned and hungry to use your story to affect people toward Christ. First of all, it made you a pastor. But secondly, you've gotten here pretty quickly. And so I get excited when that happens because I know that that is God just really sweeping through and and doing his thing. And so welcome, Pastor Galindo. Thank you. I'm glad you are here. You told me about this story on the phone last week, I guess it was, week before. And I remember running upstairs to my wife. I was like, you're not going to believe this. And I told her about it. And she's like, I can't wait for you to get him in here. It's going to be great. Yes. And so here we are this morning. And here we uh, are. You are in the studio and ready to have a conversation about... Uh, the things that have happened and that have gotten you to where you are now. So you have been preaching for nearly 20, around 20 years now, right? Yes, I started preaching on uh, April 2001. April 2001. Yes. Well, that's kind of where the story 
the second part of the story begins, yes. I think. Yes. But what we really want to get to is what happened before April of 2001 that got you to that decision to begin preaching the way that you had been preaching and teaching and serving since that time. Yes, my my life, my whole life and my family changed since then. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. It's a bit it's a powerful time and and we're going to get to it. So so where did it start? Where where did you grow up and what was life like when you were growing up? Well, I'm a pastor's son. We were uh, 13 on the family, eight women and five men. In your family? In my family. There were 13 children? Yes. Eight girls? Uh-huh. And five Five, five boys. That's a lot uh-huh. of yeah. kids. Uh-huh. And your dad was a pastor? Yes. He he preached. He was pastor for 40, I believe, 45 years. He started preaching back on uh, 1952. Wow. Yes. And uh, we face a lot of bullying, a yeah. lot, a lot, a lot of bullying for the people because uh, Christianity on that time, there was something that not very uh, knowing by the people. If somebody become a Christian, they uh, they say a lot of things about that, like uh they are witchers, they are this and they are that, and a lot of bad things about the Christianity. Really? Yes. So I grew up with that. Uh, too much pressure from the community. For the So I never had a friend, real friends. I was fight with them because they bullied me a lot. Because you were Christian? Because I was a Christian. Wow. I was going to ask you what it was like growing up the child of a pastor. I think about what it would be like now in America, but it doesn't sound like that's what it was then. No, 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 no. It it was way, way different. Uh, Also, like uh, Pastor San, all the Christian members of the church, they got my dad and my mom, especially my mom, give them the authority to discipline us or correct us. So not just the people outside the church, inside the church too. You are the son of the pastor. You have to be this way. And uh, that I, I believe that uh, put something on my heart that that uh, feel like uh, not to... Be hateful, my temper, my my character. Your character. Yeah. yeah. My character, that was like uh, mean. It made you mean? Yeah. Made you angry? Yes. So I grew up and we left the, our town and, well, I came to the United States back in 1982. Okay. I came and I studied on. Texas, I went to college and study English, and I learned English, but I went back to Mexico and forgot my English, because you don't hear English, you don't speak English, you yeah. not you don't practice, so I forgot, and I came back, back to United States on uh, 91, 
and I start picking English again. And I moved to Georgia on back on 1992. So when you first came to America, it was 1982. 82. Mm-hmm. So were you a teenager at that time? 18 years old. 18 years old. So you had grown up in a pretty disciplinarian environment. So did that make you turn away a little bit from Christianity, thinking if this is what Christianity is, that, that I don't know that I like that? Or did you still have a, a, a Christian faith that, I, that was I, strong? I still have a Christian faith that was real strong because yeah. the way the daddy and, and my mom raised us with good values, core values, and they always uh, teach us how to be a good Christians. So, but uh, I believe that the, the environment of the uh, unbelievers, there was a lot of pressure on it. Yeah. So well, that make us to really be the difference. If uh, you f- say a bad word in front of somebody, they laugh at you. They say, yeah, yeah, look, he's a Christian. Look mm-hmm. what he was saying. Right. So we have to be uh, real Christians. And the good things to be a pastor, family, there was my daddy was a real, real evangelist. Every months, I think once a month for one week or two weeks, we went out out of town, different towns in the area. And one day, my dad and me, we were talking about it, and we count 32 little towns. Three of them, not too little, it's a city. It's a big city. And uh, we went, the whole family, the whole family, we went in, in, uh, in a trailer, pulling by two horses and we went to the two many different towns to my dad preach so was a kind of escape our <laughs> yeah that's amazing to me though i mean so your dad is so moved in his faith that he is taking his family in a trailer drawn by a couple of horses yes into other towns to preach christianity mm-hmm. in a place where it's not really accepted that much. No, 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 no. There was hard. And that's, that's the good thing. There was really hard because we go to different uh, towns and we just stop on the corner, not building, no nothing, just over there in the street, around the corner in the street. And my dad say, go invite people. We're going to have a service today at 6 o'clock in the afternoon. Go around and buy people. So we go out and buy people, and a lot of people that uh, stone us, stone. Throw so, rocks at you? Yes. Some people, they... <laughs> they stoned they, you? Yeah, yeah, they let the dogs out to come after us. It was hard, <sighs> but nothing bad happened to us. Nothing. You were protected. You yeah. felt protected. Yeah, that's what I say. The good things God was there because... All those positions, all those angry people that against the Christianity because they always say, Viva la Guadalupana, Viva la. That means uh, uh, Catholic. So when they, we 
come to the their house and knock the door. They say, we're going to have a service on this street, blah, 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 on the store there and around the corner. We invite you and say, get out, of, get out. We don't want nothing. But, like I say, God protect us because nothing seriously happened to us. And my dad never discouraged to do it. Yeah, something must have happened to your dad. <laughs> At some point in his life, to make him go and yes. do that kind of work yes. with that kind of danger around him, the only people I know of that I've heard that went and risked their lives to spread the gospel, yes. knowing that people were going to try to kill them for it, yes. were the apostles. My dad, they was in danger too many times. Yeah, and and, and the reason they did. Mm-hmm. is because they saw Jesus come yes. back to life after being yes. dead. Yes. So I wonder what happened with your dad that made him so convicted in that time. Yes. He believes on the Bible. I guess he does. <laughs> That's I wonder all if he we, had his own experience when he was because, uh, younger. He, he pastored two churches, and he went to the other town is bigger than our town on a bicycle to go preach on Sunday morning and came back to our town and preached in our town. So every Sunday for years. So uh, sometimes we in a special times or special services like a uh, uh, anniversaries or something like that, we, the whole family go to Santa Clara, that's the name of the other town, Santa Clara, and uh, came back to Dia de Abril and preach. And uh, when no service at the church, at the house, we have a, we call alt, altar familiar, with the, the whole family get together, my dad, he was a musician, get the, his guitar and start singing. My, my mom and my dad always sing every day, every day, sing and sing and sing. So we got together, the whole family, and sing uh, three, four songs. And after that, they make us to say a verse of the Bible. Not read, say it on your mind. Mem- yeah, memorize. memorize it, yeah. Yeah, memorize it every, every day. So when the, they was at the church, they was in the church, but in not service of the of the church, we in the house. So we grew up like that, knowing the Bible, knowing the love of Jesus, knowing everything. Don't put a lot of attention with the devil. Come after you, come to kill you, come to give you hard times and all that. Don't be afraid. Don't be happy. Yeah, they say. My dad say, be happy. If they say something to you that because you are a believer, be happy. Yeah, Scripture teaches that, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow, that is a, an amazing childhood. Mm-hmm. And that's not common that people live in that uh, environment, even in uh, deeply religious places, much less in places where you are getting dogs released on you and mm-hmm. getting stoned and, yes. and throwing rocks at kids yes. and I just wow so that's a that's an amazing experience growing yes. up that really shaped your faith well when uh, I went to uh, 
high school, uh, I have to leave my, my little town to go to high school because no high school in my town. And I live by myself. Imagine living by yourself in a place that nobody knows you. Mm. Teena teenager. Yeah, no high school in your town. 15 years old, living by yourself. Yeah. And a lot of friends around you invite you to do things that you don't used to do it. Yeah. They was uh, curiously. <laughs> what? Curiosity. Yeah, curiosity. Yeah, what else is what? going on in the world? Yeah. That's right. Uh-huh. And I feel like a, a little bird out of the cage. <laughs> yeah, yes, you did. <laughs> and I started doing things, uh, not really bad, bad things, because, like I say, my values, they was really strong. Yeah. So they tried to make me drink a beer, drink wine or anything. I say, no, I don't drink. You have to. No. And I refuse. And they <laughs> made me then uh, put me in best spot because they want me to drink, right. make me to drink. I say, no. Go to the dancing room. Go to the, we have a party. You have to dance. I never I never do that. I mean, I never did. So I don't know how to dance. And they tried to put me to do it. So, but I was with them everywhere. So I never did drugs. I never did fornication. Yeah. I never did that. And the only thing I was uh, pretty good on it, fighting. Yeah. The street fighting. Yeah. I was, sometimes I fight three, four times a day. Really? <laughs> yes. So yeah. you didn't touch drugs or alcohol, no, no. or girls. But if a fight went down, yeah. <laughs> you were there. I was mean. I say I was wild. Really? Yes. Wow. Because I always like to do exercise, run, and everything. So I was good with. You're in good shape. Yeah, boxing. I was really good. Yeah, I boxed in Texas for maybe six months. So this is so you're in high school. And how long are you there living by yourself? Three years. Three years. Three years. And then what happened after high school? I came to the United States. Picked up, I mean, did you have a job or was a no, reason? No, reason, study. I came to, to college, a community college in Texas, and uh, I studied uh, electronics. After that, I went back to Mexico, studied in Mexico, uh, the university, and I become a uh, uh electric electric electrician yeah electrician okay that's what i i study electrician so i finished my school in, in mexico and uh i find a job technician on electronic on a company named senko we did uh build uh, tvs so I worked there for a couple of years and no money. And I was graduate, so I have others, vision or desires. And I came to the United States and, and back on uh, 1980, 86, 87. I went to California and I worked there in California. And uh, 
I'll decide to get married, uh, marry my wife, uh, Melly, Hermelinda Galindo. I married her back in 1986. And uh, we decided to move to the United States because no future in Mexico. Yeah. All the doors closed. All doors closed. Yeah. And... Well, I say, I know some English, go to go to United States. And we came uh, to Tuscaloosa, Alabama, United States on, back on 1991, April 1991. What were you doing in, 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 in Alabama? I was working on the oil fields. Okay. It's not oil, it's gas. Yeah. But it's the same. Procedures and everything is the same. I was a dairy hen. <laughs> they call dairy hen the works on top of the dairy. Okay, okay, a dairy can. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Wow. So, did you have a family? Did you have kids at this time? Yes. Yes. Uh, before we got married, my wife and me, we talked about it, how many kids we're going to have and everything. We discussed that, and we agreed to have two. And we have uh, two. Yes, uh, Benjamin Jr. and Antonio Galindo. And uh, they were, maybe Tony was 12 years old. And my wife and me just alone in the house, and I say, it's not right, we're still real young. And my two kids, they're at school or practice. The junior, he plays uh, football, Tony, baseball. And I always uh, at school, playing or practicing, and my wife and me is alone in the house. Uh, we are young, and say my wife say, "What you want?" Say, "Let's go for do- for daughter." And she say, "No, no, no. Remember, we agreed to have just two. We say, "No, no, but we need something in the house. It's <laughs> too quiet." <laughs> you wanted to have the. The, the third child, yes. and she didn't. See, no. in my no. house, it was the opposite. <laughs> my wife wanted to have no. a third child, and I was like, I don't think so. I think we're good with two. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, we have three now, and she usually wins those arguments. And so, anyway, <laughs> it's interesting that you wanted the third child, yes. and she was like, no, we're good with mm-hmm. two. Yes, and I convinced her, and there was uh, uh, a child named Josue. Yeah, sure. Joshua. Yeah, he he born in 1996. So you're an electrician. No, you're you're on the oil fields or gas fields now. At that time. Yes, at that time. When did you begin thinking about being a pastor? Well, I never thought about it. Really? really? Nope. Never thought about being a pastor. Your no. dad was a pastor. You grew up evangelizing and going yeah. town to town, getting rocks thrown at you and everything else, and you never thought about being a pastor. No, 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 no. On my mind, always was all the, all the hard times. Yeah. Yes, hard times. Remember how hard it was? Yeah. Pastor, being pastor, oh, uh-uh. no, no, no. So I never thought about it. Hard times because of uh, not much money being made. It was uh, everything. a struggle. Everything. Yeah. Struggle, not enough money, to be full-time dedicated to the church. 
that was different than now. That time, the pastor, there was 24-7. Yeah. 24-7. Anytime that, that somebody got sick or somebody had problems or somebody had an accident, the pastor, there was the first call. And our little towns, no ambulance, no doctor, no nothing. So now they, they have a clinics, they have doctors, but that time, nothing. No clinics, no doctors, no emergency, nothing. So the first call, there was my dad. Yeah. And sometimes I feel like uh, dad is uh, daddy of everybody's except us. Oh, yeah. He's <laughs> we a... need time with our daddy. They, they, I grew up with that. He was we gone need, a lot, yeah. yeah. Uh, we need that. So I always see, I mean, saw that part. All the struggles, all the bad parts, all the needs we have, and all the people how treat us and all that. I saw that. I never saw the good things. Yeah. So from somewhere in the uh, mid-90s, you got... Three kids now. Yes. Three boys. Uh huh. Until April of 2001. What happened? Okay. Uh, we have three boys. And uh, when uh, I convinced my wife to have the third one, I told her this little kid will grow up with all the attention and he's, he's not going to be. Okay, he needs company. Yeah. And my wife say, no, yes. Little kids need another little kid. Let's go for the girl. <laughs> I say, no. Four? You're okay. <laughs> so we went to, for the girl, and that time God listened to us, and we have the, the girl. So she, Ni- you, 1999. So you talked her into a, a, a not just a third, but a fourth child. Yeah, fourth <laughs> child, girl, <laughs> incredible, and a girl, and you got a girl. Yeah, that's it. That's it. We got the girl. So that's all. You did not feel like you had been called to be a pastor up until this point. Did you? Ever, when did you feel called to be a pastor? Everybody at the church. Uh, where I went since 1993 to 2000, there was Georgia. And my pastor asked me every, almost every, every Sunday, I want you to be a minister. Help me. I need your help. I, said, I can help. I can help everywhere. Every area do you need help, I can. So I was busy, 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 real busy at church. I was... The handy, the, the man that do everything. Handyman. Handyman. Yeah. I do everything at church. Paint, remodeling. I did, I built a, the kitchen for the church. And uh, I was a handyman and everything. And also I was the, the treasurer of the church. And I was the secretary of the church. And I was the minister on the evangelist. I have my my team to do it. So I say, I'm, I'm working. I was also the the Sunday school teacher for the the jolts. And also there was uh, the, the Sunday school uh, 
I'll say a leader or director. Director. Yeah. yeah Sunday school director. And uh, when some uh, teacher didn't show up or something, I have to take their place. So I have to study all the lesson. Yeah, no wonder case. he wanted you to be a full-time minister. You're doing all the work already. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So my pastor says for eight years, I need you. I need you. I need you. God calling you. God calling you. I say, no. I can help. I can help every area except preaching. I don't want to be a preacher. Yeah. I'm a pastor's son, and I know the hard work. I don't want to be a preacher. I don't want to be a pastor. I say, yes, you you have the calling. You you love you to work. You love everything. So why not? I say, no. You know, no, no, no. For eight years, I say no. Was it just you saying, I don't want to do the work that I've seen my dad have to do? Or did you get home sometimes and say, did you have that feeling that maybe you were supposed to be a pastor after all? No. You didn't have that feeling. No. You didn't feel a calling. No, because I was busy working. And I feel like uh, I'm already working. Why you want me to be a pastor if I'm doing it? Not preaching. Yeah. But I'm working. Well, there's a lot of other <laughs> ministry work yes. Yes. that we all do that goes beyond being mm -hmm. a pastor. Yeah, now I understand. <laughs> I, yeah. I understand that. But uh, that time I say, no, no, no. And God calling you to see. Sometimes pastor pulled me to preach. And you can see the answer of the people, the listeners. Ah, yeah. And that's why he says, who going to tell you you have a call from God to be a pastor? Who? God going to tell you? You're going to hear the voice of God to calling you to preach like Jonah, like everybody else? It's not going to happen. The Bible tells you in the church. Uh, he tried to convince me different ways. I say, no, hmm. no, <laughs> nope. So what happened? Oh, <laughs> what happened? I refused to do it. That's why the, the Bible tell me in Psalms 32, 9, don't be like a mule or horse. And I understood that after the accident. So so tell us about the accident. Okay, the accident, they happened in uh, January the 6th, back in 2001. Okay, so this you had been, you were in Georgia, and this pastor had been trying to get you to become a pastor in most of the middle 90s to late 90s. Yes, and so now you are in 2001. You're still at that church. Yes. You still haven't answered the call to be a pastor. Yes. You still don't believe that that's what you're supposed to be doing. And so now you are in, it's just, the year 2000 has just ended. You've just gotten into 2001. Yes. 2001, and uh, the accident happened, and, and no reason to happen that accident. 
because before the accident, God gave us a single. A signal. Yeah. God had given you a signal. Yes, uh, because we was in a pickup SD-10, uh, and we have uh, some uh, beans on that and all my baggage. And uh, one of the tires lost a piece of uh, rubber. So you're in a pickup truck. Yes. And you're carrying... Beans. Beans. Uh-huh. You said luggage or baggage, too. Yeah, my baggage, too. So is it just you? No. There was my brother, my older brother, he was driving. And my wife, my daughter, they was in the cabin. And my son and me are in the back. You and your son were in the back of the truck. Correct. And where, where are you going? Are you delivering these beans someplace? Taking home. So we we bought the beans to bring home. Okay, to have beans at home to uh, to eat or to share. The family they give us because they grow beans. They grow beans. They give us some. Uh, talking about maybe four hundred pounds. Okay, so you went to somebody's house who grows yeah. beans and got beans for your family and yes. loaded them in the back of the truck and are heading home. Yes. Okay. Yes, and. Uh, that when the tire lost a piece of rubber, then I told my my brother, slow down, slow down because God already let us know that the tire's not too good, so we have all day to get to our home. Don't be rash, slow down. He didn't listen to me. He as was like a lost mind, like a, he was. Uh, sleep. So we bought a new tire and we put the new tire on the spire one. We put the spire to get to the city. We get to the city. We bought a new tire and put the new tire on it and hit the, the interstate. And uh, I told him again, give me the key. I'm going to drive. You're driving so fast. And we load. We are low. We have some weight on the pickup, so you don't slow down. He didn't listen to me. He didn't. He was lost. Mm. And I didn't like that. He was lost. And I say, hey, give me the key. I say, he didn't say, yeah, no. He just ignored me. Give me the key. I'm going to drive. Ignore me. He went inside the, the pickup, crank it. Let's go. And when we put the new tire after an hour, that happened again. The other tire. Another tire is Another tire blowing out? Back, yeah, back of the tire, lost a piece of uh, rubber, and start hitting the, the pickup, and you can hear the noise. Yeah. It's- tack, 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 tack. And I, I got up on my, because I was uh, laying on the back of the pickup with my son. It was a little cold, and uh, he didn't stop. So I got up and knocked on the cabin yeah. real hard. When I did that, the tire blow. And I just lay down on the back of the pickup to get my son and hug him real tight. Yeah. 
at the same time I look at my left side and I was flying. There was about maybe uh, 12, 14 foot from the, my head from the rope. You were in the air. Yeah, I was in the air. You had gotten airborne. Uh-huh. So I hit the, the row on my left side, on my head, on my face, and I almost lost my left eye. That's why I use glasses now. Yeah. And my whole uh, side, there was bad, bad. My nose was broke too, and I lost some uh, skin mm-hmm. on my left arm and my left leg. It was bad because I think I hit the road and <laughs> keep going. Yeah, you skid across. Yeah, yeah, slid across the road. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And I lost my my conscience. You were knocked unconscious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I knocked unconscious. And when that happened, uh, I saw my body. And my body was twisted. Uh, my legs and everything, they was upside down. Up. <sighs> All right. So my, you, s- <laughs> you say you saw your body. What do you mean yes. you saw your body? I saw my body. I, I I want to be inside my body, but I can't. You were outside of your body. I was outside my body. And you saw your body it bent backwards. Yes. It was really twisted. 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 Because my, like I say, my legs and everything was up. And I twist and almost my, my head, it was up too. Twist all the way. And I saw it. When I saw it, I look up, but I feel a pain, 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 sharp pain on my, on on me. That I want to be on my body, but I don't have no willing. No, I can do nothing. And I describe that like. Uh, when you vacuum the the carpet, when you vacuum the carpet, vacuum yeah. the carpet, I feel like uh, the vacuum your soul and your spirit out of your body. Oh, it was sucking you out. Yeah, sucking out you out really strong that yeah. you you cannot do nothing about it because I want to be on my body, but you couldn't get back to it. Nope. That time I look up and I say, God, give me another another chance. Give me another chance. And I looked down back. I said, give me another chance. At that time, I saw the, the verse. What do you mean you saw the verse? The verse. I saw like I was reading the Bible. You're still out of your body. Yes. What you would guess is 15, 20 feet off the ground. Is that right? Maybe 10. Maybe 10 feet yeah. above your body. Yes. You've asked God for a second chance. Yes. And in that moment, you see like pages, like you're looking at a Bible in front of you. Correct. And Psalm 32 9 32 is what nine. you see. I saw that. And it says, and this is the New International Version on Psalm 32 9. Do not 
be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Correct. What did that what did that mean to you? That means uh, that I was running from God from the calling. At that time I understood that you weren't understanding what he was trying to get you to do, yes. and so he's having to control you yes. like a, like a like a horse. Yes. And I say when you got a wild horse or a mule and you put the a rope on it, they run, and if the rope is strong enough, they will follow and roll. And I feel that way. Like God tried to get close to him, and I refused to. That's why that happened. So what happened after you saw this vision? After this, I saw that I'm not sure how how long that there was, how many hours passed, but I woke up on the ambulance, and there was my wife by me. And the first thing I saw her, I didn't feel my body, no feeling. I was awake, but like nobody. Mm. Just my head. Mm. I feel my head and heavy, real heavy, my head. I feel my head like uh, maybe 200 pounds yeah. weight, heavy. And I look and I saw my wife. She was crying. And I say, I call her corazón, that means sweetheart. Are you okay? She say, no. Where's Josue? I say, don't know. We cannot cry because I barely talk. She says, you know where's Josue? I no. The last time I saw him, there was when I hug him real strong and I lost my conscience and I don't know. I don't hear him crying at the accident. I didn't saw him. Where's he? I say, don't know. Don't know. I lost my conscience again. I woke up on the mortgage. So, so in the ambulance, uh-huh. she's asking you yes. where he is, uh-huh. and you say the last time I remember him, he was I was holding him as tight as I could. Yes, and neither of you knew where he was. No, they took us to a hospital in one city, but no doctors, no nurses, because six of uh, January is in Mexico is a holiday. So they didn't do anything to us. So they moved us to another city in the ambulance. And that's when I woke up in the other, in the other ambulance. And when I woke up, I feel my body. I felt my body 
I feel like uh, heat in my whole body, heat, and also there was heat like uh, burning you up. It was heat, but cool. Yeah. That's something that when you feel the presence of God on you, I feel that. When I feel that, they say, God is working on me. You felt like he was healing you. So yes. the ambulance took you to a hospital mm-hmm. right after the accident. There were no doctors there because that is a holiday in Mexico, and they were yes. not working that day. So they took you to another hospital. Yes. All in the same day. Same day. And it is that ambulance ride from the first hospital to the second hospital where you woke up again. Yes. And began to get some sensation and feeling back. Yes. It was hot, but at the same time, it felt cold. Mm-hmm. And you believe that that was God beginning to heal your body. Yes. Yes. And that's what uh, I say. I feel like uh, God put me on the on the anvil. Anvil. Ah, you mentioned this before. Yes. You felt like God was putting you on an anvil. An anvil yes. is a tool, obviously, for people to understand where people who do metal work shape metal yes. with a hammer. Mm-hmm. Give it my form. That's what, I, that's what I say that, that God put me on that. And uh, I start feeling my body, and uh, I went to sleep again, but... They supposed to take me to the hospital, but they didn't took me to the hospital. They put me straight to the mortgage because they say it's nothing to do. It's, uh, we we cannot do nothing to it. It's bad. They didn't take you to the hospital. They was in the hospital, but uh, where they put the the people that die. They put. You, they took you to the morgue. Yeah. Did they examine you? Did they declare you dead? Yes. The doctor yes. declared you dead. In the first hospital, they 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 took us. They did X-rays on my body. So what they say? They say I got all my dry right ribs broke. All of your right hand, ribs on the right hand side and are broken. This, and your sternum, yeah, broke. Three ribs over here and my. Clavicle. Yeah, clavicle. Broke. So he's pointing to these things. That, and so your clavicle, three ribs up on your upper left side, and all of the ribs on your right side Correct. are all broken. All broke. And also on my little low, uh, on my back, on my neck, there was a, a broke too. And my lower, lower back, there was two, that my spine. It was broken to pieces. Well, then, then the race, x-rays, I saw the line. Yeah. White line. That was mean that it was broke. So in two places on your back, one in your neck and one in your lower back. Yes. It is um, separated. It's broken. Yes. So a broken back in two mm-hmm. places. Yes. Uh, all your ribs on your right side, mm-hmm. your clavicle on your left side, and, and three ribs Upper side on your left. Correct. All of that's broken. Yes. That's why they say no hope. Did you have a pulse? Where is your heart beating? No. No heartbeat? No. 
because I have the, the marks where they put me. Uh, where the paddles? Yes. And they were trying to bring you back? Yes. So when I woke up, I saw like a burn. My skin was burned. And there was like a ulcer. Open ulcer. Yeah. Right here. All right. So at the hospital, they declared you dead? Yes. And moved you to the morgue? Yes. To the other city. That took about an hour, hour and a half. So they declared you dead. They move you. Why did they move you to another hospital? Because they want to, the family, get in the same same hospital. Okay. With the same doctor. So because you have, we had a, an insurance, a medical insurance. Insurance. Mm-hmm. Okay, you had insurance, and so they wanted to keep everybody together from the accident together. So they just transported you to the other hospital with everybody else and yeah. took you directly to the morgue. Yes, until somebody of, of my family come to recognize. All right, so this has to be a few hours. I believe that the accident passed at the, the time there was uh, 11.30 in the morning. Okay, the accident happened at 11.30 a.m. Uh, yes, and when they started attending me again, there was uh, 2 o'clock in the morning. So I asked, after that, I asked the doctor how long they put me there. They say probably seven hours. So probably seven hours from uh-huh. the time that you had the accident mm-hmm. until you were... F- I, I woke up. Until you woke up mm-hmm. in the morgue. Yes. All right, so that's a long window of being yes. declared dead. Mm-hmm. Yes. Did you have any experience yourself? No, yes, when I was by the road. On the roadside, you I, had- I don't know how long it took to the to the police to get there and the ambulance but, I lost but so, when you were cl- declared dead there was on the the hospital uh, probably there was some around two o'clock okay one thirty, something like that so i'm just trying to work through this so conceivably you could have died on the roadside yes at which point you left your body Mm-hmm. are looking down at your body yes, and are in the process of transitioning spiritually in, into your next life. Yes. You ask God for a second chance. Correct. And I cry. You cried. I cry a lot. And, and he shows you Psalm 32.9. Correct. Basically say, stating, I have been calling you, but... You are stubborn like a horse, mm-hmm. and so I'm having to shape you now. Yes. In the ambulance, you felt like you were having, you had a sensation in your body or in your back. Yeah, the second ambulance. In the second ambulance. Uh-huh. Um, but they had already determined that you were yes. dead at that point. So conceivably, you could have actually died, and then... God began to working on working on you, and they were just they incorrectly pronounced you dead. Yes. So you may have been in your healing process back to life, mm-hmm. 
even in the first ambulance. So they may have gotten it wrong, but just sent you to the morgue anyway, even though no heartbeat, every indication is that you're gone. Yes. That's why they took me straight to the, the x-ray to find out what's, what happened to me. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so they took x-rays and saw all these broken things. Yes. And they say, we cannot do anything. The, the science told them he's dead. Yeah. He's dead. Yeah. He's nothing to do. Right. Um, Don't mean he broke bones so. Yeah, but you can have broken bones in a heartbeat. Mm. You know, if you've got a heartbeat and, and brain activity. I probably didn't have. A- I, I, that's, I guess that's where I'm going, mm. right? I, I, hopefully they didn't just send you to the morgue with a beating heart just because it, it, it's going to be too difficult. I don't know. That's what I'm trying to understand is um, what your true condition was medically. And, um, you know, I, I certainly believe the out-of-body experience. I think that is um, very, very powerful. But if you were truly dead, you know, I, I, I'll be honest with you. I don't know how any of that works spiritually. And, and when we transition into yes. heaven and next life and all those things, I've not, done that and so I'm really not sure what the process is but it would feel like that if you were dead actually gone for seven or eight hours I wonder would did you have an additional experience did you see something else or any other encounter with God no no yeah yeah so you woke up in the morgue were you awake in the morgue when someone came to identify you or did somebody come in there and and pray over you or what happened no that uh, my what? Well, two brothers in love. One of my wife's brother and my sister's husband mm-hmm. came to identify us. They this what they they told me they I was in the morgue because I I didn't know. Yeah, but they they told me that before the yeah, when I come out out of the hospital they told me. You was with the with the dead people, only dead bodies there. So they came to identify you yes. in the morgue. Yes. When they identified me, I didn't saw them. I was sleeping or dead. Don't know. Yeah. And they they got sick. They throw up and they went running back to outside to the morgue because feeling that uh, the stomach and trying to throw out and all that. And uh, they run. And when I woke up, the first thing I, f- I realized there was dark and smell. Mm. And I woke up and I was uh, tight on the carrot bed. Yeah. It was tight over here on my arms on my chest against the, the bed and my my legs too because they just pulled me there they didn't do anything to me just get and the ambulance and they tie my arms and my legs on the on the bed and that's it so when I woke up there was dark where I was smell and I saw somebody that came close to me, and there was a pastor. 
And he say, son, nothing. Doctor says, it's nothing they can do for you. And I say, they're wrong. God healed me. And he got scared because he told that was dead. <laughs> so he's talking over you. He's not talking to you at the time. He's talking over you. He thinks yes. that you're dead. Yes. And he's he's sad because he's saying the doctor said there was nothing they could do for you. Yes. Uh-huh. And he thinks he's talking to a, a dead body. Yes. Like I say, it was dark, so he cannot see me. Oh, and you spoke? Yes. <laughs> so he's standing over you in the dark, uh-huh. and he's saying, son, I'm sorry, there's nothing. They, yes. they said there's nothing you could they could do. And, and you spoke to him when he yes. thought you were dead. I say, they're wrong. They're wrong. <laughs> God healed him. Heal me. What did he do? He say he got scared and I say and I say I can feel my my arms. I move my fingers on my arm, my and I can feel my legs and I move my feet. He runs. <laughs> I guess he did. He thought you were dead, and now you're moving your toes and uh-huh. fingers and telling him. Some stuff. So what? What did he do? I guess he went and got the doctors. Yes, he went round. He runs. I saw him. He running, and uh, suddenly, quick, he got two nurses, and uh, they take they. There was like a really emergency that time because they was moving fast. Ah, uh, yeah. Take, they took me back to the X-rays. It's not possible to this man be alive. They'd pronounced you dead. Yes. Thought you were dead. You're in the morgue. Mm-hmm. Preacher comes and prays over you. Mm-hmm. While you're awake, I was it's, awake. Not, it's not like mm-hmm. the prayer revived you. Mm-hmm. You were awake. Yes. And then you spoke to him, yes. scaring him to death. And then, yes. so he ran out, grabbed the nurses, mm-hmm. and they wheel you back and saying this is impossible. He was yes. dead, mm-hmm. and now he's alive. Yes. And they took me to x-ray, and the doctor came and says, hey, this is a miracle, mira. He say, mira, look. <laughs> look, I have the x-rays of the first hospital you went, and they chose you. All the broke bones. All the ribs, uh-huh. clavicle. Now I have the the X-rays I took here, and nothing. And you're back. What? Nothing, and you're back. Your back was broken in two places. Yes. All right. How long has it been since they took the first X-rays? Probably two hours. Two I mean, hours. Maybe three, because from one city to the other city, hour, an hour. But I don't know how long I was in the morgue. I figure out maybe two hours because it takes six hours for my family to get from where they was living to the hospital. Six hours. If uh, they they told them what happened and they somebody needs to go to the hospital to recognize them, Took six hours plus three hours from 
the accident to the hospital. And I say maybe eight hours. But when my brother-in-law showed up to recognize me, I was unconscious. So I didn't know what time they 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 show up. But when the, the the pastor came, there was around two o'clock in the morning. Okay, but what I think I heard you say was that the two nurses came into the morgue and got you. Yes. Stunned that you're alive. It's impossible. Mm-hmm. And then took you to get an X-ray. Yes. And the doctor takes the X-ray and looks at it, mm-hmm. and the broken bones that had just been X-rayed the day before. No, there was maybe three or four hours before. Okay, three or four hours before yes. where there are all these broken bones mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. The new X-ray, are you telling me that the new X-ray showed that there were no broken bones? No, on my back. Yes, my ribs and my sternum. Just oh, so the the ribs and the sternum were all yes. that were broke, were still broken. Yes, but the two places where you were had a broken back, yes, were no longer broken. No longer. How do you explain that? When I woke up in the the ambulance, I start feeling my body. This one got gorks on me. I ask for another chance. I ask God for another chance. To do what I suppose to be doing. If my purpose of this life, I didn't do anything about it, give me another chance to work on the purpose of my life. When I woke up in the ambulance and I feel my body, that's when I believe God come in healing my body. That's when I started feeling all those uh, heat and same time it's cold and feels good and I start moving my my foot my feet and my arms but when you got that first x-ray though it showed the two places broken yes still yes and you described this when you were in the ambulance the first time and you were talking to your wife you had no feeling below your neck no feeling second ambulance ride is when you woke up and felt this warm slash cold mm-hmm. feeling, mm-hmm. and in your mind was God repairing you. Yes. But when you got to the hospital, so so was the first hospital they did the x-ray? Yes. Okay, so you had no feeling no then. Feeling. They did an x-ray there and then sent you to the next hospital. Yes. So in that ambulance ride, you had already had one x-ray, but you began to get feeling back, and you felt like he was healing you in yes. that time. Yes. And then when you get... Woken up in the morgue several hours later, they take you back and get an x-ray. The two places that were broken on your back are healed. Yes. Yes, sir. That's amazing. So they, the doctor says, uh, if I've survived, I never will walk again. If you survive, you'll yeah. never walk again. Mm-hmm. He says, because you got five discs of your back herniated. Herniated? Yeah, herniated. So you're not going to be so able to walk. Even though the spine has been healed, mm-hmm. you're not going to be able to walk again. That's yes. what he's saying. Yes. You have to start thinking 
that you all your life will be in a wheelchair. Yeah. I say, well, before they declare me dead and I'm here alive, the same God that worked on me on the ambulance, he will work on me to make me walk again. Hmm. And they didn't understand that, but I say it. I believe in God. And I know God, he'll, he will heal me. So how did it happen? What happened next? And at that time, I feel, okay, pain, like normal. My ribs and can breathe, and they pulled me uh, to uh, inflate the balloons. Mm-hmm. Balloons, but no, I can't do it. But they say you have to do it. To that make you the your drifts uh, be on each other the same okay spot that way you will be healed okay quick. so you had you you had to breathe deeply yes to get your lungs to expand to push your ribs back into place yes is that am I is that right that's right okay that's right so my son and my daughter. They don't know where they at. No, don't know nothing about that. They didn't know about the accident. My daughter and my my son. No, they wasn't the accident. My son died in the accident. Joshua died. Yes, yeah. Did you know this? When did you find out he died? At uh, the time, at the time I saw my body. You knew. Did yeah. you see him yes. as well? Yes. When you were out of your body. Yes. And uh, when they do the, to find out how they die, how do you say that? Autopsy? Autopsy. When they do that, they did that, nothing wrong in the body of my son. What happened when the pickup spin and one of the, the, the rims that, the, the tire blow-ups hit right over here on front head. Mm. And that was what killed him. He took a blow to the head from one of the rims from the tires as the truck was flipping. Mm-hmm. And you knew that you lost him. That time because I saw him with all this open. You saw that. Mm-hmm. When you were above your yes. body. Yes. You didn't just see you, you saw him as well. Mm-hmm. And I told my wife in the first ambulance, I told her. You told her that you yeah. saw him? Yeah. I told her, gone. And she says, somebody took him and I will see him again. She refused all the time that our son died. She refused to believe that he died. Mm-hmm. She believed that somebody had taken him from yes. the scene. Yes. So they didn't f- recover his body. Oh yes, 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 yes. But my wife, no, no. no. Oh wow! So my my sister told her that he was okay. 
So I told my sister, don't lie. Tell her the truth. I already told her. She did that. Did she, did she do that just to protect her and to help her yes. to not worry about it while she was in the hospital yes. and mm-hmm. having her own condition? Yes. Yeah. yeah. They, they told her later because I told them, don't lie. God gave us another chance. And we have a purpose on this life, my wife and me. So don't lie. Tell the truth. It's not going to hurt her more than than that. So tell. Oh, that's awful. Um, and And for you to have, in your own experience, seen him, with the the wound to his head, and then it turns out, in fact, that is what happened. You knew it already because you yes. had seen him outside of your body. Yes. Yeah. So you are in the hospital, and they've told you that you're not going to walk again. Yes. This is January still. January. Mm-hmm. 2001. I spent 10 years, in, I mean 10 days. Ten days on the hospital. At that time, three days later, uh, my my dad is uh, my dad has uh, a pastor that, that was real close to him, and uh, she he was pastoring a church in the same city. So three days later, he found out that we were on that hospital. He got in touch with my dad. I think I believe. No cell phone or nothing at that time. So I don't know how he found out. Maybe the pastor went to pray for me on the on the morning. He get in touch with him. Maybe. So his name is Manuel. Manuel Galindo. The same uh, last name of my dad and and they 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 was good good friends and work together for a long time preaching. So he showed up, and she went. He went to the to the doctor's office and argued with him because they didn't take care of us. They did. I know them since they was uh, kids. When I walk into the room, I didn't recognize them. You have to give them a shower, clean them. They still have a lot of. Blood on the face and a lot of dust in their face. We cannot recognize them. You have to do something with it. So the nurses came and because the doctors talked to them and uh, they was mean to us. Really? The, the nurses, yeah, because they they get into them and they they take a little a piece of rag and start with water. Start cleaning us on, on the bed and but three days later so that time they was they find out my all my wounds on my body I say well you you do something because I have fever every night <laughs> and they did until my my sister-in-law shows up and I ask her and she did it. So when the nurse find out that my sister-in-law that was working on me, I say, hey, that's my shop. I supposed to do that. Yeah, you're supposed to do that, that three days ago. <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. 
the the medical care that you're getting is not no no it's not like here not super good and you know no 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 no. but um, but god you know you feel like god has granted your request for a second chance yes and has told you that in fact you're going to be doing work for me Mm -hmm. and i'm shaping you into that yes You had a severed spine and mm-hmm. multiple broken ribs and clavicle, and you were only in the hospital mm-hmm. for 10 days. Yes. After the seven days, I remember that the seven days, I was uh, thinking to take a shower, go to the shower room and take a shower. I tried to get up, can't get up, but I try. I need to get up out of this bed. This, I don't believe what the doctor says. I believe what God told me. They told you you're not going to walk again. Yes. I don't, I don't believe what they say. I need to get up. So I sat on my, on my bed. I tried to get up. Can't do it. Can't do it. So I asked my brother-in-law, my, 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 my sister, to take me to the shower. And they... They hang me. I hang on them. And I went to the shower and I, I stand on the shower. They put a chair on, on there. They put a chair in there. So I sit in the chair and I took a shower myself. You had broken ribs still though, right? Yes. Yes. Was it painful? Oh, yes. Bad. Sometimes I try to cough. Yeah. And uh, the, the, the point of the wrist did like this (laughs) and my my sister had to push the bones down (laughs) oh my goodness (laughs) so by the seven days i try i try it i say yeah i don't believe what doctors say i try 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 god 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 God. always god god is on this he will get me out of this (laughs) and i try say well after the shower I called my, my brother-in-law and my sister and I say, come and help me. And they made me do some steps. Eight days, again, two times a day. So your family is working to rehabilitate you right there in the hospital. Yes. Though the doctors and nurses are care. nowhere to be found. They didn't care about <laughs> so they're making you, they're standing you up. Mm-hmm. I mean, with a back injury, and what was a severed spine and um, five herniated discs? I don't know how you, I don't know how this is happening. God's, I feel like God was there. My, like I say, my spiritual life, my willing to live, to, to to change everything, the accident, I start thinking different. I want to preach. I want to go reach people. I want to go preach the, the, the gospel where nobody preached. And uh, uh, that was my mind, all that. So pain, that's okay. Uh, I'm alive. That's why I have pain. <laughs> and I have to get ready as soon as possible. Help me. No, no, you don't. You don't supposed to move. You don't supposed to do. You don't. Yeah, I don't supposed to. I don't supposed to be alive. What they say. So, tell me. 
So you're believing <laughs> that God has ordained your healing, uh-huh. and you are basically saying, I'm going to do everything I can to participate in yes. my healing with God. Yes. And let's get this thing going and and so that we can begin the work that he has told me that I am to do and who has answered my prayer of giving me a second chance. Correct. And I believe the faith is not just a word. Not just a word, yeah. No, no. Faith, if I say I have faith, I have to do so. Because if I say I have faith, but I don't do nothing, mm-hmm. it really has faith. So I believe faith is do it. Yeah, faith involves action. Yes. Right? Or, or it's not really faith. Mm-hmm. Wow. So that's why I say, well, I'm alive. I feel okay. My, all my emotional, I feel okay. I feel strong, spiritual. I feel like uh, I have a lot of things to do. Yeah, and you, you're sitting there saying, I was dead, and now I'm alive. Mm-hmm. And I know I was because I was actually out of my body and yes. asked God to, to give me a chance. Mm-hmm. And he did. Yes. And I felt him working on me in that second ambulance. Mm-hmm. And so I know that the work is already in motion. Yes. It's just a matter of doing it. So I'm going to believe that when I get up and ask you guys to pick me up and move, that it's not going to cause damage. Correct. It's just part mm-hmm. of healing. Yes. That's the faith that you're talking about. Yes. Because they, they refuse to. They yeah. don't want to. Yeah. I say no. Yeah. I've, I know. No problem. You're not. Just help me. <laughs> just. <laughs> You're not going to be in trouble, so just help me. Ooh, I don't know how you do that. I mean, you've got family members. It's like, okay, if I pick him up, science tells me that I'm going to be doing damage to him mm-hmm. that may prevent him from walking. Mm-hmm. He's telling me that God has already promised him healing and that it's going to actually create healing. Mm-hmm. What do I do? So I guess they picked you up. Yes. So I got up out of the hospital. My wife, they say, no, she's not ready. I say, yes, she's ready. I'm going to sign for her, and I will take her with me. I was more, more damaged than her, so she's ready. Let me take her to my house. Oh, you are responsible for it. Yes, where I need to sign. Did you get her? Yes. And your brother, oh, well, my brother, he's not okay. He can stay. So he was hurt? Yeah, my. Badly too? Yes. At the end, 2009, he died because of that. Because of injuries from the wreck in 2001? Yes. (sighs) And your daughter? She didn't suffer anything. Nothing. Any, any, any cut, any skirt, any, nothing, nothing, nothing happened to her. Wow. Nothing. Almost, we almost lost her because in the, his, in the first hospital was no personnel, no nurses, no doctors, no nothing. And uh, my brother, me and my wife unconscious. And nobody to take care of my daughter. Yeah. 
when my one of my brothers in love came to rescue her to take her and the office of the hospital told them that somebody came tried to get her somebody you didn't know yeah Ugh. so but they asked for the id and they didn't have id to mesh with the last name or my last name or my wife's last name so that's why they didn't give it to them when my brother-in-law shows up to the hospital that took about six hours to get there uh, asking for the family and they say they got the daughter here oh give it to me no somebody took that child to their house and this is the address so my brother-in-law went to that lady house asking for my daughter and she said yeah i got your sister's daughter here with me i'm a christians that's why they call me to take care of her somebody else had tried to get her and yes. they didn't give her up mm -hmm. but they give it to that so person. they called another lady and said mm -hmm. we need you somebody to take care of this you're yes. you're a christian so yes. take care of her until we can find family yes. mm -hmm. and did you ever find out who the first one was no, but the second one, yes. I invite her to come to visit us, and she spent a week with us. Really? Yes. That is, that is amazing. So they said you wouldn't walk again. You're beginning to walk in the hospital. When did you fully regain your ability to walk? I got to my house, and somebody gave me a, a bicycle to do exercise. Yeah. Stationary bike. Yes, stationary bike. And uh, I have a crunch. You put it here and... Uh, crutches, yeah. Yeah, crutches. And so I use the crunches to move to the bicycle. When I sit on the bicycle, I start moving my legs, running on the bicycle. Slow. Yeah. Slow, real slow. The days pass, and as every day, I spend three, four hours there. Mm. I say, I want to walk. I want to walk. I want to walk. Three, four days later, I spend a little bit more. I work. A little stronger every day? Yes, getting stronger every day. Finally, in April, I start working by myself. Four months? Yes. No more crunches. No more. I walk slow and like a twist. Yeah, twist. Yeah, I cannot walk straight. I was twist. Couldn't walk, walk straight. I walk like that. Yeah. I have a few appointments with the specialists on my back. I don't know how you do it. I don't know. I don't have nothing to say. I can see all you x-rays and no worse. I say God. Hmm. God working. 
still working on me. Say, that's why you believe, so believe it. That is a miracle. Yes, it is. I mean, all of it is a miracle. Mm-hmm. And it seems like it all started when you asked for a second chance. Yes. And I was praying one day. I was praying, God, I know you bring me from the dead. I know you have a purpose for me, but I I don't understand what's the purpose. But you have to give me a gift. What do you want me to do? And the answer was, you have to preach. How? How God answered me? I went to the service one day, one night. And after the service finished, I went to the altar and get on my knees. And I started praying, seeking for the answers. And suddenly, a man came and put his hand on my shoulders. And he started speaking in English. He says, I need you to go out of these four walls, out of this building. You have to go and preach my word. Preach the gospel. And I will go with you. And everything you ask, I will answer. When the service finished, I will stand up. I look. The man that came to me, and outside I asked him, do you speak English? He says, no. You don't speak English? Nope. Don't lie to me. Are you speaking? He says, nope. Yes, okay. It's the only English I know. Why? Why you are asking me that way? Say, because you was praying for me in English. Say it's impossible, I don't speak English. Yeah, you did. I understood. I have to preach. All right, so I'm going to try to make sure that I understand what just happened here. You had gone to a worship service, and you went up to the altar at the end of the service, praying, still asking what you should do. Yes. And another man that you recognized and know came up behind you yes and put his hands on you to pray for you yes so he was praying whatever he was praying but what you heard wasn't in spanish it was in english yes and it was basically a command or telling you that what he wanted you to do to go out (laughs) was to go out of this building Mm -hmm. and go and preach and that wherever you go, that he would be with you. Correct. Yes. And I had a friend, and his name is, uh, I'm going to say it because they happen. Probably he will listen to this. <laughs> his name is Lorenzo Quesada. 
he has a, a little car. And I ask him, uh, Brother Lorenzo, God sent me to Durango. And I, I believe he sent me there. Would you take me in your car? He said, yes. When? Tonight. Tonight? Yes. God told me today, so I'm going to do it. Tonight. He says, what time? I say, 8 o'clock. I say, well, already 6.30. At 8 o'clock, I see you at your house. Let me tell my wife and get some clothes. And we go, how many days? I say, seven. We're going to go seven days. Okay. At eight o'clock, he was at my house. And I just told my wife, I'm going to go, where? I'm going to do a, like a Paul, a Pastor Paul, to do a, a trip, missionary trip. I say, where? I said, Durango. Oh. Durango. Yeah. Why? Because God told me. Durango what? Durango, Mexico. Mexico. Yes. Durango, Mexico. So mm. you left Alabama? Yes. Suddenly, and, and you said you needed a ride, and the guy said what time, and yes. was there, and you guys took off to Durango, yes. Mexico, mm -hmm. on a mission trip. Yes. Just like that. Mm-hmm. We got there uh, Monday morning. We got there. And uh, I asked the pastor, I, uh, where's the pastor? Where's the pastor live? They say, oh, he lives on the, the, the pastor house by the temple. Okay. I went and I told him, God sent me to this town to preach. If you let me borrow your church, use your church to preach today. He say, today, Monday. I say, yes, today. Monday, you let me use your church, God will bless you. He says, I need, I need to ask my authority. Let's go to the, the station where they have a phone to call. He called, and the superintendent says, where do you come from? I say, well, I come from this this part and this, this is my pastor and everything, but God told me to come over here and preach. And now only I ask if I can use your church. And he says, uh, let me talk to the pastor again. He called and say, what did he say? say? He doesn't make a decision. I say, well, let me talk to him. And I say, I'm going to do a service today if you let me use your church. If not, I will do it in the street. Nothing gonna stop me. I face too many judges and knock them down. So he says, Okay, okay, use, 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 use a church. <laughs> so I start going around. Telling people, we're going to have a special service today. Miracle service. Just like when you were a kid. Yes. Come. Come. And we went to another town, invite them. Today, at 7 o'clock, 
we have a lot of people show up. Don't know how many got saved, but quite a few. At 11 o'clock in that night, six people make a decision to get baptized at that moment. We didn't have a place, but uh, a woman for that, that town say, she says, oh, I have a place where you can baptize them. I have a, a little thing that I uh, uh, put water in there, save water. Like a case, tub. Yeah. In case uh, uh, the water, uh, no water in the, the town, I have water all the time. We went there. It was about maybe 10 foot long, yeah. by four huh. wide, by maybe five or six deep, full of water. Use it. We baptized six people there the first night. That's amazing. Yes. Second night, second day was another town. I went to the radio station. Tried to let, uh, give us some time to do the announce that we will, we will be there. But they, they closed the doors. And I told the, the man, well, you always do a community, community uh, help. When the people need something or anything, you always say that on the radio. And uh, you do that for the people, and why not? Don't religious. I say, no. No? Okay. God bless. We went calling people, telling people. We're going to have a service at this time and this area. And this is the address. Come, come. God will do something with you. God will heal you. Come, come. For seven days I did that. Seven days in different different towns, different cities. And last day, Sunday, I preached in three different cities. The first city, there was about an hour from where I was staying. And the second city was three hours. So I came back and drive four hours and a half to go to the other city. I preached nine o'clock in the morning, Sunday. I preached uh, two o'clock in the afternoon in another city. And I preached six o'clock in the afternoon in another town. There was a town. Man, there was experience that you was walking on the wings of the eagle. After you felt like you had gotten your legs to work again, mm-hmm. and you immediately started walking, started, started walking, and then working, working, and then you got the guy to take you all the way mm-hmm. to. To Durango, Mexico. Yes. And from there, spent seven days mm-hmm. going to different towns, finding a place, and then going out and inviting people mm-hmm. until time of service and preach yes. for seven days. Yes. What made you do that? I have to go to Durango, Colorado. Uh, Durango, Mexico. The, the guy that was praying for me. He and told he you, was, 
in that prayer, yes. he said to go to Durango? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't hear that before. I just felt no. like he had said. No, I, I didn't say it. <laughs> no, that he, he just told you to go and yes. that he would be with you. Mm-hmm. And when, when I hear that and the fact that he spoke in English and, and the person praying for you didn't speak English. No, not the- it, it wasn't what the guy was praying, right? Are you saying that these were, did you feel like these were the words of Christ? Yes. Standing behind you mm-hmm. while another man's praying for you and giving you what he really wanted you to do. Yes. And he told you to not just to leave there and preach, but to leave there and go to Durango. Yes. And you did. I've, I feel it that. I yeah. Feel, I feel that. And I went. And your friend believed you. Yes. And he took you. Yes. Yes. I bet that was an experience that he will never forget. No. Or you either. He's still, he's still, uh, every time we we have a good communication. Yeah. Every time he come, he brings uh, that. So did because, you keep preaching? How, how did, oh, yes. How did things shape up from there? Yes, when uh, I started walking, I went to the church, and my pastor says, well, he called me Benja, Benji. Uh, I need your help. I need you to make a team. And that team, they will help us to grow. So you have to choose anybody. Anybody, I'm not going to say this, no, this, yes, this person not qualified, anything. I'm not going to tell you what to do. Get the team. So I start talking to the to the church members because I didn't know them very well because there was a new church. And uh, I made a team. 16, 16, 16 people. Yeah. Yes. They will take me about six months to, to, because in the beginning I got 60. They sign up, 60 sign up, but some of them, they, they, they're not was uh, willing to work. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I got 16, I start working, uh, working, 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 and, that church, there was about maybe 53 members. We grew up quick, become 230 members mm. quick. And the church that was small, we have to do three services, sometimes Sundays, because too many people came. Yeah. Because my testimony, the, the people talk about it, and I was there, and right. a lot of people came. So uh, my pastor says, uh, I have uh, six deacons. If these deacons try, they want to be a pastor, just let me know. So they, four of them, they say, we are ready to be a pastor. We went to school and everything. We are ready. So we start a new, new churches, four new churches. In four years. Wow. You started four new churches. Yes. In four years after your yeah. accident. Yes. And the last church, there was a 60-something 
they went to start a new church, 60, 60 something. Well, in total, that year, 2004, there was 94 members of our church went out to different churches. Really? To, yeah. New mission, new new works. To grow yes. new churches. Yes. We lost 94. And my pastor get a little bit uh, sad because that. And one year we lost 94 members. And he was a little bit sad. And I say, don't be sad because we don't lose people. We are working. They're not here, but they are walking where they went. So you didn't lose 94 members. You sent them out. Yes. To go do mission work. Yes. And I say, it's good. Yeah. And we don't lose. We gain. Right. He say, how? We have a regular 40, an average 40 new people every Sunday. You average 40 new, 40 guests? Yes, visiting, 40 guests. Visitors? Yeah, every visitors Sunday? every Sunday. Wow. And we keep, we keep a list. Yeah. That's why I say that. I have a team, a good team to do it. So I have people in front of the doors to take names and everything. So an average it was 40. And that year we baptized uh, about 60 plus 40. Plus 13, they came from another church to move to our church. So we talking about 100 and something. And the pastors say we lost 94. I say, no, we don't lost. Yeah. We, the, the church is not empty. Look around. <laughs> it's amazing. So God has clearly um, asked you to preach and grow churches and uh, is working through you and promised you that he would be with you uh, in all that. Let me ask you, how did your view of God change after the accident? Like uh, Pastor Sands, I saw all the bad things, struggles, bullying, hard times, people, People that tried to kill my dad because he was a pastor. I saw all that. But after the accident, my mind changed. And I saw all the blessing. I forgot the bad things and I started remembering all the blessing. My pop, my daddy, he was in uh, agriculture. He grows beans, corns. Uh, hot peppers. And every year, rains, rains on my daddy lands. And sometimes didn't rinse on the other people's lands. And the people say, rains only in the land of the saint. So I start seeing all this. When we go out, to our town that my dad want to preach around the, the towns close to there. Sometimes take take us eight hours to get there on the trailer pulling by the horses. Mm -hmm. Eight hours. 
And I start remember that my dad and my mom, they never worry about take lunch with us. They never say, we're going to take lunch to eat in the, <laughs> on the road, we eat. Because they believe that God will provide. They just believe had faith. Yes. Right. So we got to the town we, that my dad was uh, thinking, uh, ready to preach. And then he says, go around the town and buy everybody. The people from the town, they say, you're ready? No, come and eat with us. And people sometimes carry food over there in the street to, for us to eat. And the other thing that when we got sick, no money to go to doctor and, and doctors uh, four or five hours away. Yeah. And my dad says, get in on your needs and pray. So we get on our needs and ask God for healing. And that happened. So my family, they was pretty healthy. Everybody. And all my sisters and brothers and nephews and uh, nieces and all that, they, they are Christian. So you began to see the goodness that is God and the yes. love that is God. Yes. Versus the struggle you have to go to when, sometimes when you follow God. Yes. And the joy. The joy. The, the joy. Yeah, the joys. Uh, the, the house. My family, my cousin, my niece, the people that come to visit us, spend time with us. Oh, the joy. Yeah. Happiness. It's love in your house. Yes. Yes. That's a thing. Yeah. And uh, my mom helps people that so poor that nothing to eat and my mom say come to my house come to my house come to my house there's plenty of food for everybody my cousins they pretty poor poor they eat once a day that's all yeah and we had a cows and milk the cows and have a uh, chickens and have pig we have a lot of so, but uh, before the accident, I didn't see that yeah. <laughs> until uh, they opened my eyes on the other side. And I say, well, that's a really uh, blessing life I have. I never did drugs, never do bad things because my values and all that. And it's a wonderful life, like uh, Psalms first. So why not work for God? Why not? I say myself, why not? Why never? You never see that. <laughs> Is there a message that you would tell people based on your experience? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I can describe uh, this message uh, based on uh, Mark, Saint Mark, Chapter Two. I feel like uh, that the guy that was uh, unable to walk, but he has friends. When they heard that Jesus was at uh, the house, they went to this man to bring him to Jesus. When they got to the house, there was a lot of people in, inside and outside and the doors. 
they wasn't able to take him inside. But they never gave up or refused. They just went up to the roof and opened the roof. And every one of them get their side to take this man in front of Jesus. And the Bible says when Jesus saw the faith of them, he told to the this man, get up. Before that, that's what they was uh, waiting for. But God, Jesus told them, this guy, your sins being forgiven. And I feel that way. We have family. We have friends. And sometimes we act like a mule, like a horse, don't want to get close to God. But we have friends or family. They want us to come to Jesus. Or they bring us to Jesus. And Jesus and his mercy, his love, want to forgive us. We are sick, maybe, like this man was sick and able to walk by himself. But Jesus forgave him his sins. And after that, he healed him and say, stand up, get your bed, and go home. Now he was able to care for himself. That's what I, my message is. Jesus is around the corner. It's everywhere. Just need to. If you don't want to go, you got friends to invite you to go. You got friends to preach you the gospel. They say, hey, believe. Become a believer. Be safe. And I feel like uh, when you don't want to believe in Jesus, you don't want to believe in God, you don't want to come, you are unable to live by yourself or take care by yourself. We need God in our lives. We need God to take care of us. We need God everywhere, my family, my daughter, my sons, my life, everywhere. So when we believe that, like uh, the friends of this man, they was unable to walk and able to care about himself. They love him so much. They want to be healed. It's around us. There's a people like that. Love God. Know the power of God. Know what God can do. And they want you to bring you to come. Jesus come to be saved come to be healed and my message is it's no options when you believe in God you become a Christian believer you come to follow Jesus your life change your life spiritually is different even you don't have nothing in your refrigerator you don't have nothing to eat you, God still will take care of you he will you are a believer. No matter how you feel, how you, and what spot of your life you are, or your struggles, or anything, 
If you become a Jesus, your life will change for good. You know, very few people have a story like yours where, yes. where you were in a place of, even though you were Christian, you still kind of rebelled against what, yes. you, what God was probably calling you to do. Yes. And you had a moment where your earthly body died. Yes. And you discovered that life actually is spiritual when yes. you were looking down at your own body. Yes, because the the Bible says we are our body is nothing. The really Benjamin Galindo, the real one is my soul. My soul never never die. Will never die. My body disappear like a yeah, and pe- mm-hmm. people hear that and say mm-hmm. that sounds like a nice fairy tale. Mm-hmm. But when you, <laughs> but when you have an experience where you experienced and not in a dream state, no, 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 but where you look down at your mangled body mm-hmm. and remember that you were above it, yes. ten feet, ten feet, willing, want to. Try, trying to get in there. Yeah. Trying to get back there. Mm-hmm. And you couldn't do it. Yes. Can't do it. Because my willing is not longer there. Well, you kind of got, it, it kind of got proven to you there, didn't it? Mm-hmm. And so things had to have changed in yes. that moment. I mean, you, you believed yes. and God was good and and that sort of thing. But I guess having a moment like that, it's it's kind of one of those things is you can't deny that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why I live this this kind of life, and I I want to be busy. I yeah. want to. It's I the same thing to. that the apostles said, right? When, when when they saw, they were scared to death after Jesus died. Mm-hmm. But after they saw him raised from the dead, he came in the room with them, showed him his wounds, mm-hmm. talked to them. They were like. Reality as we've ever understood it is now changed. Yes. I've seen something that I can't unsee or mm-hmm. unremember. Mm-hmm. And I realize now that this is what life is about. And so for them, it didn't matter if somebody arrested them and, and killed them. Yes. It didn't matter. It, that's just, they're just going to get to yes. back with him faster. Mm-hmm. But what they were called to do was tell as many people about it as, as they possibly could. And they couldn't get out the door fast enough each day to do that yes. because of what they saw and yes. what they experienced. Yes. And when I hear your deal, I have this sort of combination thing where this is a little bit of a Jonah thing where Jonah kind of defied him. And mm-hmm. he said, look, OK, well, <laughs> you're about to experience something crazy and the fish and the whole deal. And he went and then did what he was supposed to do. And. The apostles, after they saw the resurrected Jesus, yes. they, they, it, it, the, their understanding of life and how it works yes. and the fact that we are spiritual beings wrapped in flesh for now mm-hmm. changed it. Yes. And it's the thing that made you get in a car and drive to Durango, Mexico for a week. Who would do that? Unless somebody who was... I, I did that three times. <laughs> did you? Yes. Yeah. Three times. 
because and that, because and time. yeah and because in your heart you were doing the most important work in the world yes mm-hmm. like i say in the beginning i was uh, working hard in the church and do like a handyman and everything but i cannot compare before and after yeah god didn't need you to be a handyman there he had a he had a greater fulfillment for you yes. than a support role yes so my my message also for the christians because i believe a lot of christian listen to us don't be like a mole like a horse and don't let god put you in the handbill it's better to be on the wheel or the putter <laughs> because he's going to shape you regardless right yes, yes let him mold you like potter's clay yes instead of having to beating you into the be- shape you need to be on an anvil because hearts and still hurts. I'm not able to run, but I can walk. I cannot run, but I can walk. And I can move myself, so it's a miracle. It's a miracle. One day I was, I had an appointment to get a surgery in my back. I tried to put a couple discs Doctor says, uh, some Monday you will come to fill up all the paperwork to proceed the surgery. And then at that time I spent a few hours on, on church, on the altar, praying, asking for God to put me all these new discs. So then Monday I came to the doctor's office, I was dancing. And he say, what happened? I say, ask God for a new disc. And he did. He put the new disc on my, my back. Ah, let's see. You're going to take an MRI. I did. Came back with the results. I say, I got your results. Come. We're gonna, we need to talk. I went to the office and he says, no surgery. Why? Say, look, this disc how big they are. See? Look this before and this. look this after. The before they was teeny, now they normal. God put you new disc on it. I say, I told you. <laughs> <laughs> I told you. That is incredible. So, I'm here. And it keeps I'm happening. Here. That is incredible. And I have this, those MRIs. Sometimes I carry on my my bag when I, they invite me to preach to show to show those MRIs to people. A lot of people don't believe. That's what I say once again: don't be like a mule or like a horse. Be a, be a clay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what an amazing story you have shared. Your life is extraordinary, and some amazing things have happened to bring you to where you are. And the fruit that you have 
born for the kingdom of God for the last 20 plus years and your ability to see him moving in your life like he does and in your energy for sharing it is just extraordinary and to hear the the miracle healings yes can i share the a miracle that that was the first one yeah. i saw i was uh like not not really uh that i didn't believe i i knew that god brought me from the the dead to do something but i wasn't really sure what was so I say, like uh, Elias say, if I'm a man of God, that happened. So we had a service one day, and uh, there was a young lady about 22, 23 years old, and she was crying, crying on the at the service. And the pastor asked her if she wants to share what happened, why, why she was crying. At the end of the service, uh, she came to the front and the pastor gave her the microphone and said, tell us if uh, you want to. What happened? Why you are crying so sad? So we can see the pain on you. And she said, yes, I want to share. Two years ago, I got married and we tried to have kids and doctor says, I'm not going to have a kid because something wrong with my goon, where the babies grow. In the womb? Yeah, womb. Yeah. Uh, something wrong with your womb, and uh, we have to take it out, out of you. So the doctor take, took it, did a surgery, and took my womb out. But I want to be a mother. I want to be a mother, and it's impossible to be a mother because my wound is out. <laughs> so I say, well, God, you say, ask me. Just ask me. So I went in front. I prayed for her. I said, God, let her have a baby. Please, let her have a baby. So she went back to her house, and she started feeling all the symptoms. Went back to the gynecology and say it's impossible. It's impossible what I, I see. What? You have a new goo. What? Yes. You have a new, brand new. Say, no, oh, yes, you are pregnant. It's hard to believe, but that happened. The doctor say, told her and everything. It shows. She came back with a young, oh, nice, pretty daughter on her hands. And you can imagine that with the, she came in front and say, look, and all those people were there, even the ones don't believe, saw her with the baby on the head. That's amazing. Yeah, everybody started crying. That's a beautiful thing. And that time, at that time, that's when I understood that that was true, that God will use me. <laughs> and and she had had the hysterectomy and was upset about that, yes. came to you, and you prayed with her yes. that she would have a child. Yes. 
a new womb regrew. Yes. She became pregnant and had a child. Yes. That was the first miracle I saw. And that helped me to understand that there wasn't a dream. There wasn't a vision. There wasn't something that I imagined. There was something real. The God was calling me. The God wanted me to preach, to chair. And that's why he brought me from the dead. Hmm. That is a beautiful story. And all of it is an amazing story. You are you are filled with testimony and experience of God doing the miraculous. Yes. And working through you. Yes. That's got to be a good feeling. I feel like uh, I'm doing some, not all, but some, on the kingdom of God. I'm doing something. I, I try to. Yeah, you're participating. You yes. are a branch that is bearing fruit for the kingdom. I'm not a good preacher, okay? Yeah. I'm not a good preacher, but. <laughs> hey, but you know what? <laughs> God doesn't call us to be excellent at everything. Yes. He just asks us to be faithful to him mm-hmm. and to follow him. And that's all he asks. We don't have to be the best speaker in the world. Yes. We don't have to be the most athletic, or we don't have to do just incredible things. It's not what he's asking us to do. He's asking us to be obedient to him. Yes, that's what I understand. And <laughs> if, if we have the faith to do it, not knowing how we're going to get taken care of, uh, not knowing the outcome, but just have faith that he is calling us for a reason and is going to take care of us when we go and do what he's asking us to do. That's not, the pressure's off of us. We don't have any pressure. We're just supposed to be faithful. Yes. God's going to do the work yes. through you. Mm-hmm. You're not doing it. It's him yes. through you. Mm-hmm. You just have to open the door on God's side so he can get in and then open the door on the other side so he can get through, right? Yes. And that's what faith is. And so this, what a powerful story. Yes. What, that, that should be inspiring to people that listen to this, that think that they cannot be, um, that the best they can do is, uh, you know, I'm going to go just serve in the line on Sunday, and that's me contributing or whatever. I think God calls us to do those things at times, but uh, often it's a bigger deal than that. And, and, and people don't do the work for the kingdom of God because they don't think they are talented enough to do it or good enough to do it, and that should go to somebody else who is either more versed in the Bible than me or more experienced than me or can speak better than me or whatever else it is, and that's not true. It's not true. It's not true. What God calls us to do is to take a step out in faith. That's right. And go and do it. Yes. The verb number one on the Bible is do. 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 The number one verb in the Bible. Yeah. Do. do. Yes. The whole Bible. Yeah, it's not, gr- it's not grow. No. Do. It's, it's not think. It's do. do. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. What a great message. Yes. Pastor Galindo, I have loved the time that we have spent together today, and I am thankful that I've made a new friend, and um, I hope we find ourselves doing kingdom work together 
again. Yes. God is calling each of us to grow in our faith and participate more fully in the work of pointing people toward Him. These callings literally fill Scripture from beginning to end. Ben Galindo served God in his own way, but it took a violent, deadly accident to change his direction and shape him for the work God was truly calling him to do. Ben's message to fellow Christians? Seek out and begin fulfilling God's calling in our lives now, before something painful has to wake us up. Be shaped on the potter's wheel rather than the blacksmith's anvil. But make no mistake, we're all being called. We just need to ask for God's direction, that He give us ears to hear Him and the heart to follow. And regarding the miracle healings, I don't know why it seems that the prayer of some people who appear to have great faith does not get answered, and some do. I do know that in Mark eleven twenty four, Jesus Himself says, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. When Pastor Galindo referred to each miracle, he never seemed to hope for an answer. Rather, he knew it would be answered. He believed, and it was given to him. It feels like there's a critical and powerful message of faith in that passage that I hope one day to more fully understand. Thank you for joining us today on A Stronger Faith. For more episodes, to suggest a guest, to connect with us, or to support this ministry, please visit strongerfaith.com. You can also connect with us on Facebook or Instagram. Until next time, we pray for peace and a stronger faith for you and those you love.